Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 18 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Pretty well, man. Pretty, pretty well. I... Cool. Yeah. Yep, that's as far as I'm going to go with that. I think. All right. Hey, listen, you know, uh, it's 2020, so any day that you're doing well is a victory. Yeah. Speaking of victories, Dave, we're going to see a big one today in episode 18 oh, man. of uh, Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called Protect It, the Mysterious Boys Forest. But of course, before we get into that, Dave, we have to get through our, we get to get through our officially. I say, we, we're allowed to. Our officially award-winning opening segment Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, man, our first star of the week is Isolation Update. Isolation Update. Well, Dave, how was your isolation going? It's actually going okay. I am back at work this week, which means that I spent six hours today on Zoom calls, and I haven't even started teaching classes yet. Cool. So that's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. Man, it's so... And that's not great. It is so weird that for like a cool decade, the only thing anyone ever used consistently for like voice over internet protocol communications was Skype. And then like the day the pandemic started, we're like, so we're done with Skype now, right? It's all Zoom all the time. I actually don't quite know how that happened. And I weirdly, Zoom has now become so prolific that I actually was not using Zoom. I was using Google Meet, which I think is, I prefer. But yeah, I don't know. Like Zoom just came out of nowhere I had never heard of it, and then it's all anybody was using. It's my, very strange. My company had actually shifted to using Zoom for stuff like this a couple of months before all this happened. So we were actually, like, like on that train anyway. But, like, man, if Skype wasn't already owned by Microsoft, I would feel very bad for them. Like, they had been yeah. planning for this <laughs> for, like, a decade. And then the second everybody needed something like that, the entire world decided in one moment that Skype was just done. And I still, I have no, I have no idea. Like, I would be deeply curious. I'm sure somebody has written an insightful article about the rise of Zoom. Uh, having used both, I can say that Zoom is better for, like, work stuff. Like, if I'm in a Zoom meeting with somebody, I can share my screen very easily. Or, like, the person on the other end can share their screen with me. Um, there's stuff like that that's useful uh, that Skype is, I think, has never had to innovate on because they were so obviously, like, the main choice for so long. Right. Unless, like, Skype I can do, do that, a... and I've just never tried. I don't know. I just did a quick search for the phrase, the curious rise of Zoom, and I did get a lot of articles <laughs> that are like, it's weird, right? <laughs> um, anyways, no, it's, it's going fairly well. You know, we're, we're starting back, and uh, we are online for the first couple of weeks, which is killer. I'm very excited that we're at least going to have, like, that routine. Like, it's actually, it's a lot more work. Like, it's way more work for me. Oh, I'm sure. To be doing all of this online because like I have to totally rework all of this all of this stuff that I sort of already knew how to do and was prepared for um, like no teacher I know is excited about not being in the classroom like we would all prefer it but uh, you know this is this is just so obviously the better option right but yeah that's my that's how my isolation's going Matt I did I did it I cracked two hundred pounds I felt real good about oh, myself nice, and man. then I meet, I like I. I barely did. I was like 199 and a half. And then I like popped back up. So now I'm at like 200 and a half, like right in that zone. But I did get, 
I, I did hit below that 200 mark uh, for like a day. <laughs> I mean, dude, I mean, like, but stuff I, like that's going to fluctuate. There's never a completely straight line. Yeah, no, obviously not. Obviously not. But I did. I felt really good about it. How about you, man? Uh, pretty good. I had a moment uh, the other day. This is actually less related to my isolation and more related to my upstairs neighbor's isolation. Um, but I, the, the building I live in, I don't know if I've ever described this on the show before. It's one of those like four unit apartments, like two left, two on the left, two on the right. Um, like, you know, upstairs, downstairs, there's a staircase up the middle, porches in the front, little backyard, one of those deals. Like a quadro, a quadroplex, I, mean, I think they're called. Anyway, they're very it's common around name, here. I, I even assume, if you're wrong, I like it. Yeah. I, I assume that people can imagine it pretty easily, but what this means is that my upstairs neighbor and I share like one half of the basement. And so I get a text from him the other day, like, hey, like I am using this time that I'm just at home to clear out the basement. He's actually been doing a ton of like basement stuff recently because um, the two guys upstairs just have a lot of stuff down there. Um, and they were like, well, let's just get rid of some stuff. And they said like, hey, if you have any like old empty boxes that don't actually need to be down there. Why don't you come downstairs? Let me know what they are because as I'm cleaning up, I can sort of like like I'll just take your right. stuff, and then we can actually like get some usable space down here again and like reorganize stuff, which I'm very much looking forward to, and I'm happy that they've taken the initiative on this. But as we were down there, what I realized is that easily half of the stuff that I thought was theirs is just old empty boxes from the guy who used to live up there who moved out six years ago. No, there's just this crazy. There's just this mountain of old cardboard, and like some of them have a few things in them, but it's very clearly just the stuff that when they were moving out, they got most of the way they're through like, doing their stuff, and they're like, "Nah, I feel like we've moved everything we care about." So we're just like opening boxes and looking at each other, like, "Is this yours? That's uh, not mine." Okay, <laughs> we could go through this, but I think we're just both deciding that this is trash and it is going on the curb. So, nice. So that's my. I think we did definitely do that when we were moving out of the triplex that you and I shared. It was a very. We've talked about it before. Like it was this very weird thing. Like we were kind of squatting for a few months. We're pretty sure, and we don't know who owned the building, but we did definitely live there. Yeah. Um. I should let you know, I walk by that building, I walk by that house pretty regularly when I have the twins out for walks. And, like, it is definitely occupied. They didn't, like, knock it down or anything. Oh, yeah. You know, I've driven past it a few times, and the no- the way that I really know that um, it was it's a new owner and not just that the old landlord finally got their act together is that a few of the windows have been replaced, and you know the old landlord would never have replaced a window. He was not going to do that. But... When we left, we did definitely were like, well, we're pretty sure, like, the bank owns this house now, and it's getting foreclosed on, so, like, we're just, like, we're just not going to worry about it. Like, we, I did leave some stuff there. Yeah, well, I mean... We did take the washers and dryers, I'm pretty certain. Yeah, at that point, like, the only concern is, like, well, if I don't clean up entirely, I won't get my security deposit back, but... Like, that but guy like, was never going to get in touch with us to send us our security deposits back. Yeah, that so, wasn't happening anyway. <laughs> so, like, well, I don't know. I mean, the the, the people I who lived leave. on the second floor had just, like, left stuff there. And I texted them and I said, like, hey, you left your microwave and I don't have one. Can I just, can that just be my microwave now? And that is still the microwave that I have. Dude, uh, I think right before we left, I had made a big porchetta de testa, which is like a, uh, you get a whole pig's head, just the whole thing, mm-hmm. and then you uh, you cut the face off of it, is what you do. You just, you just kind of cut the whole face off of it, mm-hmm. and then uh, you kind of fold it in a particular way where you... Where you tuck the ears down to cover the eye holes? You know, if you... I feel like there are butchering terms that make this sound way less uh, wild. Yeah, I probably... If you go to butchery school, they probably don't just say cut the face off, but but that's what you're doing. And uh, and so we... so I, And then you, like, wrap it up with, like, herbs and stuff, and you rose. It's delicious. And then I also made some head cheese, 
did homemade head cheese with that pig skull, which is you just drop the whole skull in a big old pot of water and you boil it till all the meat comes off. And then you skim that with the gelatin and you put it in. Anyways, the point of this is that at the end of it, you are left with a like just a pig skull, just Mm -hmm. nothing on it. Just a big old pig skull. And I did definitely leave that in like a little old coal cellar in the very back of the basement as like a fun surprise Great. for Wonderful. whoever, whoever uh, came there I next. mean, listen, be, be, based on my recollection of that building, by the time anyone moved into it, that skull had probably been completely devoured by rats. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Or mice. Maybe it was mice. I don't think I ever saw a rat in that building. This was, by the way... Lots of great memories in this house. Wonderful memories. This is not like a bad house. I, I just want to be clear. I, I just every I house still has lived mice. in that. No, wait. I had recently moved out of that house when we started this show. Yeah. To be clear, every house has mice. You may not have seen them, but if you live in a man-made dwelling, there's mice in it. Mm, that sounds like something that somebody with mice in their house tells people who don't necessarily have mice in their house. Nah, man. If anybody, the only reason you would not have mice in your house is if you have cats. And I do have cats, and there's still mice in my house every once in a while. Anyway, none of this is the point. Just say hello to your mouse friends. What, Matt, is our second star of the week? Uh, Dave's second star of the week is Bun Vulcan. Welcome to Bun Vulcan. Now, I know that the flow of conversation, Matt, would indicate that you would then ask me what my Bun Vulcan thing was since you said the last thing, but wildly, I don't actually have a Bun Vulcan thing this week. Really? Like, because I was starting... uh, Yeah, because I was starting school this week. Oh, that makes sense. And I knew that I was going back to work. We just... We kind of took the weekend and were, like, extremely chill and, like, just went out and did all sorts of stuff. We didn't go out and do all sorts of stuff with the kids. We went to a uh, pick-your-own... Peach, we went to an orchard, like a peach orchard. Oh, fun. Yeah, we've been doing some pick-your-own fruit stuff, because, like, you can get out of the house and not, like, you know, you can stay very far away from people. Man, it sounds like you should have made a cobbler, and then you would have something to talk about on the segment. I did think about making a cobbler, and I still may. So, I was very dubious. I know I said I didn't have a Bun Vulcan thing. This is only tangentially related. I was very dubious about the whole, like, oh, go pick your own fruit sort of thing because what it seemed to me like is that i was using my day off to be a farm laborer and that didn't seem very cool sure And for berries like the price differential is not that extreme and so i was like this is not super great but beth wanted to go get peaches and i said in my heart what i said is i don't want to do this but i love you and i will and i'll just like put a smile and be cool about it and then we went and matt i gotta say it's a very different experience, and picking peaches is legit. Is legit pretty fun. All right, man. I, I re- my only real exposure to like super like farm fresh peaches is that when I was fifteen, sixteen years old, I worked at Danny Boy's Farm Market in North Olmsted. It's my first job. Mm, yeah, and we would get produce from Amish country. Like it was, we got like a lot of really great produce, um, but we would get these super farm fresh peaches. And what I did not realize until that moment is that the peach fuzz that is on a peach, that is on like a fresh peach, is like three times as thick as what you find in a regular grocery store. And that stuff... Yeah, and like prickly. Oh, it's bad. Like, do not touch that and touch your eyes. It's like insulation. It's bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did not. I got through. I ate. I was so excited that I ate one of the peaches immediately. And then I was like, oh, my lips. (laughs) And then I realized that I was like, you got to you got to knock all the fuzz off. Anyway, so Matt, what is your what is your actual Bun Vulcan thing that you Uh, So my Bun Vulcan this week, Dave, is that I tried a new bread recipe and it went terribly. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. The end of the story is good. So I I have been making bread now for I haven't bought bread since May. So however long that's been. I've been making my own bread for months. And so there's a recipe I've been meaning to try. Uh, the Bon Appetit's Best Bread, which I don't know if you've seen this recipe, but it's like a th- it's like a three-day bread recipe that involves three different kinds of flour. Well, that sounds delicious. Um, and I was like, okay, I've got, I've got a scale. I've got a stand mixer. I've got all these different sorts of flour that I got specifically for this recipe. 
Um, like the first day you make a poolish or a poolish, however you pronounce that. I where you just I think it's poolish, but I don't know. Um, it's like it's basically like you're making a starter without making a starter. Um, like it's not a full sourdough starter or anything. It's just like you put flour and yeast and water in a bowl, cover it, and leave it for like 14 hours. Uh, so we did that, and then I added all the other ingredients, and then. You know, like, there's a lot of steps to this process. It's a very complicated recipe. At least, it is a complicated recipe for me, at least. So I do all this stuff, and then I hit the point where they say, put it in the stand mixer, and then mix it until it all sort of comes together and pulls away from the side of the bowl, and is like a ball of dough that you can work, right? Right. According to the recipe, this should take 8 to 12 minutes. Well, I don't know if I did something wrong with the recipe, or if it's just that my stand mixer is junk. But it was in that thing for like 25 minutes and never became dough. It just became ooze that moved around in a mm. different way. Yeah, that is not what it's supposed to be, definitely. And I was like, well, maybe if I add a little more flour, maybe it's too wet. But eventually I realized that I had added so much extra flour that at that point it wasn't even the same bread recipe. Like, it was just a different thing that I was trying to make. And I thought, you know what, like, we are done with this. I am just... It's already like, 10.30 this is trash at night. <laughs> like, it's 10.30 at night. I do not have the time or mental energy to convert this into a different type of bread and then turn it into a loaf that I can, like, do something with. Like, we are just done with this. Listen, Matt, uh, so you, gotta, you gotta know when to hold them. You gotta know when to fold them. Yeah, you gotta know when, you gotta to, know walk when away. to walk away. And when to throw your dough in the trash. Yes. Well, I didn't throw it in the trash. I put it in a bag and I put it in the freezer and I'm taking it to the curb tonight because, you know, it might be bad bread dough, but it's still like an alive fermenting thing. And I don't want that in my trash can for three days. Or Matt, did you inadvertently create sourdough starter? Ooh, man. I feel like what I created was perhaps scientifically interesting, but not culinarily (laughs) useful. (laughs) I feel like I would have to be a lot more experienced to figure out a way to turn that into something I could use. Um, anyway, Dave, man, see what he thinks. So the next day, the next day, I was like, well, I was supposed to have that other bread today, but instead I'm just going to make baguettes again. But the upside of this is that I figured out something about what I was doing marginally wrong with my baguettes. Oh, man, that's the best. Which is that, okay, so I had been using this recipe... Which was actually for making like miniature sandwich baguettes, where you it's like you start with like five hundred ah, grams of flour, okay, okay, and then when you break it down, you break it into like six even parts, and then you turn that into like a sandwich size baguette. And I was like, well, I don't want sandwich baguettes. I want more of like I just a want the whole right. Yeah, I'll I want turn like it into a, medium, a sandwich if I need it. Yeah, like medium to regular size baguettes. And so instead of making it into six, I made it into four, and it's been working very well. The problem that I was having is that like although it was good. I wasn't getting that full, like, nutty crust flavor and, like, like crispy crunch. And I couldn't quite figure out what I was doing wrong. And eventually I realized that I had been an idiot. Because what I had done is I had made each individual uh, baguette, like, notably larger. But I had not altered the baking time for them. Oh, Okay. So I was like, well, you know, like the the way the recipe goes is you put it in the oven for five minutes and then you open up the oven and like you spray the oven down again with like for a second time with uh, some water from a spray bottle and then you bake it another 15 minutes. Right. Uh, And so I just added like an extra two minutes to it and I was like, oh, okay, now these are good. Like I thought that the old ones were good and they were fine. But like this is what was missing was like this was like that waiting for two more minutes. Yeah. Love it. Very exciting times. So Bun Vulcan started badly, got good. Um, Speaking of exciting things, Dave, what is our third star of the week? Man, this is such a dopey. This is, I don't have joke. This is not a joke at all. This is just like a thing that it's, I'm excited about. And this is a personal achievement. You may recall, because you don't have access. I had to go back and check the archives. Like upwards of a year ago, not quite. Maybe almost a year and a half as I think about it. But a year and a half ago, I got these new Captains of Crush because all weight training stuff is is called that. Sure. Or stuff, something like that. You know, it's all like Atlas, Kodiak, Pancakes, right? And right. Um, Bear Pancake. Bear, the Destroyer. Bear Pancake make you strong. 
um, be strong like bear for bear pancake. And so I got these captains of crush grippers and, uh, I'm maybe you may recall me saying, I was like, I had a trainer and I was like working with that. And like, that was cool. And then I was like, Oh, I'll get like the one, two, three. And hey, I Dave, could do the one Dave. Yeah. I, I only want to interrupt you because it is not common knowledge that one of the sizes of these hand grippers is called the trainer. And it sounds oh, like you sorry. hired a yeah, personal yeah, yeah. trainer to help you with your grip strength. No, I did not hire a human a human being to help me with this. It's just, if you can't do the one, there's a trainer underneath that. And that's the one I had, I had been using. And I got the one, and I could like barely do the one, right? And I couldn't do the two at all, and I definitely couldn't do the three because it's insane. But I finally, a year and a half later, Matt, I have got this. I closed that number two gripper, and I just like... Like, I finally did it. It was like I had a moment. I had a feeling in the morning. I was like, this is it. Like, today's the day. I've been super close for, like, the last, like, three or four weeks. And I, like, I I just kind of, like, warmed my hand up. And I picked it up. And I did it. And I did. I literally, like, laughed, cheered out loud for myself. <laughs> and I, like, walked over into the living room. And I showed Beth. And I was like, Beth! Ha! And she was like. Yeah, it was great. It was a really good because I've been like really working on it for like a long time that I finally got this this thing closed. Uh, the three is still uh, so. Well, we'll we'll talk about the the level three and we'll like you know in the Magic Ranger season we'll get around to it. Yeah, man, maybe maybe probably not. Uh, Magic what, Ranger Matt? is not next year, Dave. <laughs> okay, okay, good to know. Good to know. Uh, that gives me a better time frame. What, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Dave, fourth star of the week is a video game that we have both been playing. Yes! And it's a new game. It's not a new game. It is, it's new on consoles. But I it has feel been cheated. on Steam for a while. Yes. Uh, it, and it is uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker. Which is a game that you had been excited about for a while that I really wasn't aware of until you bought it. I had seen ads for it when it came out in 2018, and I was like, oh man, so exciting. And then they were like, PC exclusive, and I was like, oh, well. And then they just ported it with all the DLC and some patches and fixes onto consoles like last week. <laughs> and I got it, and it is a, it is a blast. I am having so much fun playing this game. It is a uh, isometric kind of top-down, three-quarters view, um, party-oriented uh, adventure game, and in, in the vein of like uh, Baldur's Gate. Yeah, it's like so a like very... pa- Pathfinder, if you are not aware, is a game is a tabletop role-playing game that was developed by a lot of people who had worked on uh, the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, who when the fourth edition came out and was very dissimilar to the third edition. Those people left, started their own company, uh, and just essentially made more third, like more and better third edition Dungeons and Dragons, but called it Pathfinder. Yeah, and it is. It's a very like if you dig that style of game, it's a great game. And Pathfinder Kingmaker, it is a straight up port. Like they just coded the player's guide and wrote an adventure for it, and like. And other than that, like, you are just playing Pathfinder, but just by yourself on a computer. Yeah, and that it's, sentence it's, sounds weird and sad, but it's not. Right. You would think that if I said, this video game captures all the magic of playing Dungeons & Dragons by yourself at home alone, you would think that that sounds bad. But it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's actually extremely good. I am running into some problems playing the game, though. And here are the problems that I'm (laughs) I'm having. I I wonder if you and I are having the same troubles. Is that I, because it's... Because it is, in fact, a video game, like in this, like I'm playing it on an Xbox, right? I am thinking of it as a video game. And so, like, I'll see a monster. And I'll be like, oh, like, I can probably fight that monster. Or, like, I can figure out a way to fight the monster or, like, whatever, right? And then I'll go to fight the monster. Right, because that's how video games work. Because that's how video games work. And then this game very quickly reminds you that you are playing a video game, but really what you're playing is Pathfinder. And you cannot fight that troll because you're, like, fourth level. (laughs) Right. And then you just die. And then you're like, oh. And, like, it takes me a few. Like, I'm getting better at it mentally because I'm, like, having to, like, retrain myself. But it took me, it'll take me a few times to be like, 
I should. I just fought the troll wrong. Like, surely there's a way to fight the troll that right. I if can I do. If I do this better, I can beat the manticore. And you can't, you because it's a manticore and you're like third level or something. Right. Um, the problem that I am having with this game is... Okay, so it is only kind of a video game in the way that you say. But the problem is that it's also only kind of Dungeons and Dragons. Because in my head, I'm like, well, this is Dungeons and Dragons. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for years. The problem is that it's not Dungeons and Dragons. It's Pathfinder, which is very similar to Dungeons and Dragons. uh, And based on a lot of the same rules as third edition Dungeons and Dragons. But, like, just has different classes. And so, like, I have a person in my party... She is an Inquisitor, and I'm like, oh, I guess that's a D&D class, or a Pathfinder class, and I have, I just don't have, like, a baked-in knowledge of how they work. Like, if I had a monk on my team, I know how monks work. You know, like, monks are unarmed, they've got high saves, and they can attack a bunch of times per round. That's basically monks, right? Wait a minute, you have a monk on your team? No, I'm just saying, if I did... Oh, okay. I was surprised because, like, my character is a monk, and I don't have a monk on my team, and I was like, huh, I wonder if they've, like, put in... Like no, a, no, no. You know. No, I would love to have a monk. Instead, what I have is an Inquisitor who is, like, something. I think it's yeah. a divine class, but it's not a cleric. Uh, yeah, and, like, it I has spells, but like the spells a, don't seem to work. I also ended up with, like, a Magus, and I'm not really sure what that dude's deal is. So I just slotted him out for something that I recognized a little bit better. Oh, I accidentally, I made a Magus because I thought I would be able to, like, retrain my character if I didn't like the class. Um, turns can, out, it's a, glitched, unfortunately. Right yeah, it now. turns they're, they're out, A, it. like, that aspect of the game is glitched, so I'm stuck in my current class unless I want to start the game over, which I don't. And B, like, at least the first two levels of being a Magus is just, like, being a bad fighter that has two spell slots. Now that I'm third, I think I just hit fourth level, actually. The Magus is getting a little better, and I might stick with it. But it's been a very weird transition. Anyway, yeah. I feel like we are, like, hemorrhaging listeners by the second the longer we talk about, like, Pathfinder character classes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is our fifth and final Star of the Week? So, Matt, uh, the fifth Star of the Week is actually Baby Watch. We interrupt your regular broadcast of the Super Sentai Brothers to bring you a breaking news update. Baby Watch. It's a heavy segment week this week, Matt. But that's the way the baguette Chris tears apart crustily in a satisfying way. This you metaphor know, has gotten away from me. You know, Dave, Mark is so fond of making um, stingers for segments that if we can just figure out a way to have each of the five stars be a segment with its own stinger... We only have to do like half the work because we're just padding out the whole five stars with stingers. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> so here's the here's the thing. My kids love trucks, trucks of all sorts, shapes, and sizes. Um, they love them. They're obsessed with them. You know this. Sure. I do think it's interesting because it no like we have never encouraged trucks. Other than, like, the kids are like, we would like trucks. And we're like, okay, well, then like, you can have toy trucks or, or toy trucks, books, or whatever. But I just, like, I wonder what it is about trucks. I think it's just that they're, like, big and loud. Anyways. Yeah. Because kids, they love trucks. So uh, they are technically bunny bears, but Sugar Bean loves trucks, too, so she wears them. Uh, he has truck underpants. Okay. Very cool. Here's, here, yeah, they're very cool. Here's the problem with these truck underpants is that whoever designed these trunk underpants uh, is a moron who has never met children and only and understands theoretically that kids like trucks. Because here's the problem with these, is that they're, they're underwear, like they're briefs, and there's a cool picture of a truck. There's like they're labeled like Monday through Sunday, and there's a cool picture of a truck on each of the p- unders, but there's only one picture of a truck. Like it's on a pattern. It's just like a print on there. And it's on the butt. So what this means 
is that my children refuse to wear these underwear the right way around. <laughs> because if you wore them, if, you, if they wore them the right way, they couldn't see the truck. And if you can't see the truck on your unders, like, what's, what's even the point, Dad? Why bother? Why bother to have truck unders if you can't see the truck? And so, like, I tried at first to be like, no, 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 that's backwards. And then they just looked at me like I was the idiot. And I'm like, but then I couldn't see the truck. And I was like, well, it's hard to argue with that logic. And so they just wear these underwear backwards all, all the time because <laughs> whoever designed these doesn't understand that the kids need to see the trucks. That's all I got. Uh, man, those kids are getting so big. It's wild. You know what else is wild, though? It's episode 18 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Protect It, The Mysterious Boys Forest. It was written by Naruhisa Arakawa. Its original air date, June 15th, 1997. We're going to take a break. We are going to talk about it when we come back. Okay, welcome back. So, we are still at the Family Fun Farm. Yes! So I, this is actually, um, astonishingly, I had never noticed this before. I thought that Nasu Highlands was like, like a name of part of the park, right? Like Magic Kingdom, Epcot Center, Rindo Lake Family Fun Farm, Nasu Highlands. That's not actually the case. Nasu Highlands is like a national park in Japan. Like, that's just a region. And it just happens to be next to Rindo Lake Family Fun and Farm? Yeah, like, Rindo Lake is either in there or, right, or immediately adjacent to it or something. But... Yes. So this episode is actually a lot more about the Nasu Highlands than it is about Rindo Lake. But they're still there. Uh, so we start in the forest. There are some punk teens driving around. Uh, there's, they're in a jeep. They are the there's a guy and a girl. The girl is smoking. The guy looks like he's drinking a beer, but then the camera sort of like makes sure to cut in on it so that you know he's drinking canned coffee. Yeah, that was a weird. Uh, that was a weird thing to specify. In my mind, uh, my notes just say that they're terrible Americans. Like when I saw them, like the vibe I got was that they just like told these actors, like, just be just pretend you're terrible Americans and do that. And then like, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, they're like throwing they're like littering and shouting and, you know, messing up a forest. Uh, a little boy shows up. and He tells them to stay out. Uh, and yes. not only does he tell them this. But the wind blows and picks up some leaves, and the leaves land on the windshield of the car and spell out, like, stay out. I mean, not in English. They spell it out in... Yeah, it was actually... I thought that was a, a really, really clever effect. Because obviously what they did is they put it on and then they blew it away and did it backwards. Right. But it really... It looks very It really cool. worked. It looked very cool, and I thought it was a very clever way to, to go about doing that. So then they freak out and then they try to leave and then he continues to do like his weird like druid attack and their car crashes, which does strike me as counterproductive. Clearly a nature spirit little boy. If you want them to leave, like you need to leave their car intact so that they can go because what you've done now is both prevented them from leaving and made a giant litter. Yeah, I mean, a the, giant car litter. The other thing is what you've done is now. That we this is the last time we see these terrible litter teens. Um, so it is possible that they, you know, got their car out of the ditch and left. It is equally possible that this was a fatal car accident, <laughs> and that like this. Well, then that's this extra litter. child has just killed them. Now you have a car litter, and then you have well, I guess. I guess anything that's biodegradable is only litter for so long. But anyways, yes. uh, so the human litter, a great way to think <laughs> of these things, Dave. <laughs> Wait, listen, you're the one who, who has entered the idea that this child spirit has murdered these teenagers. Hey, I, I, I'm just I trying feel like to... Naruhisa Arakawa is the one that brought this up. Oh, I don't think we actually mentioned that. But yes, it is uh, Nasahiro Arakawa who wrote wrote this very good episode of course i mentioned so that. did you yeah did i completely whole oh, matt i thought i was tired rolling into this i didn't realize <laughs> i was that i did not realize i was that sleepy bro sorry cool. um so, 
Me, just completely you? zoned out. Anyways, so uh, the next scene, it's four in the morning. I, I really hope that I mentioned it now. I would be very embarrassed if I hadn't. Well, listen, this is gonna this is gonna break bad for one of us, Matt. Um, and I'm content either way. Original I, air date, June fifteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Of course, you can watch along on the DVDs or at shoutfactory.tv. Anyway, where were okay, we? Okay, that's good, but I'm I'm not starting this part over. So, uh, we get it's four a.m. Koichiru is up because, of course, he is. Right. He does just flip on the lights. I really appreciate Koichiru's attitude towards getting up because he's rooming with Shun and Kenta, and his attitude towards getting up is. I'm getting up because it's the right thing to do. And so I am just going to proceed as though what I'm doing is completely normal. And I'm going to like turn all the lights on and and do my thing. And the fact that you guys aren't up, like that's on you, but like I'm making no accommodations for your laziness. Right. Because of course what Kuchu is up to do is train. Right. He's out for a jog and a swim because no, whether or not he's on vacation he is still a Mega Ranger, and he still needs to train daily to keep himself in prime physical form. And also, he needs to show off the wonderful uh, facilities here in Rindu Lake Family Fun Farm. He does. I think he even says, like, this, this hotel has wonderful facilities for staying in shape. So then he is he's jogging by, and he sees Mr. Uiwa, his teacher, and uh, Mr. O is, like, super impressed. He's like, wow, Kuichiru, you're up, like, really early. Like, good for you. And Kuichiru says, oh, yeah, well, like, you know, I wanted to get in a workout. Like, I'm impressed. I'm just a little surprised you're up this early. And then Mr. O gives his own sort of, like, uh, advertisement for this hotel, which is he says, oh, no, no, I'm just going to bed. So what that lets you know is that the bar is open all night. It's <laughs> my kind of guy. Not really a morning person myself. Uh, anyway, so he goes out for a jog. He's jogging in the forest, uh, enjoying the wonderful fresh air here in the Nasu Highlands, adjacent to Rindaloo Family, uh, Family Fun Farm. Um, uh, he sees the litter that the the teens had left earlier. He picks it up, sees oh, that there isn't like Matt- a trash can around, and just like puts the empty cans in his pockets. Matt, there is a little blurb that you inadvertently skipped over. Uh, we do have a quick cutaway to the Nezare dimension. And what we find out is that Dr. Hinalar has identified that this, obviously, this part of the Nasu Highlands has a lot of, like, land energy because a meteorite landed there. And what the Nezare are going to do is weaponize it and use this meteorite energy to destroy all mankind. Ah, uh, Yes. So, then cut to Kuichiru picking up the litter. As he picks up the litter, yeah. the little boy that we saw earlier sort of pops out of the forest and greets him. Because now he's like, okay, this guy is cool with the forest. Now we can chat. Yeah, and he's a little surprised. He's like, wait a minute. You don't all totally suck? And Kuichiru, he doesn't say it quite. He doesn't say you all because that would be a little bit of a tell. But he's like, oh, you're not all terrible. And Kuichiru's like, oh, like. Oh, yeah, this trash. He's like, yeah, it's a real shame that some people litter, but, like, I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, like, I'm a human. I care about the planet. So that's what we're going to do. He gets a quick call that there's Nezare, Nezare energy. And he's like, kids, you got to go. And then there's birds flying and Kuchiru's running. But the kid is like, the kid does a, he, like, teleports. And um, if you've ever seen any anime from this sort of time period you know the sound effect that happens every time he like disappears and appears and teleports around uh because as soon as i heard it i was like ah, that's the teleport sound absolutely uh and so so he is out of kuichiru's field of vision um and kuichiru no longer sees him so when kuichiru uh henshins into mega black the kid is still actually there he's just like behind a tree so he sees him transform into mega black and he knows he's a mega ranger this is important yes. for later. Uh, yeah. Oh, also, so, we, uh, we're dealing with a mushroom Nezare this week. He's a mushroom man. Yes. He's got a big mushroom hat on. He does. It's very cool. I like his look a lot. Although, and I don't know why, it might go all the way back to our AD&D game uh, with Sean in his basement. But I've got kind of a soft spot for, like, fantasy, uh, like, anthro 
anthropomorphic mushroom people. Yeah, man, what's that D&D race called? It's just with an M, right? It's not Minox, because that's uh, the little... No, like, Mykonoids? From... Something like that? Something like that. Anyways, so yeah, he's a, he's a mushroom monster. And his attack is that he breathes fire, and he's like, I'm going to burn this whole forest down. And that, to me, seems like a very weird pick to pair up with a mushroom man. Like, it feels like, okay, like, I get why they pick a mushroom, right? Because they're like, oh, it's in a forest. Mushroom. But, like, the mushroom is part of the forest. Like, the mushroom is supposed to be there. Yeah. Mushrooms are in forests. By the way, you were right. It feels like you should pick... Dave, it is a myconid. Ah, awesome. It feels like there should be, like, like bulldozer Nezare, or, like, forest fire Nezare, or, like, like something that is going to, to destroy the forest. And then also, it seems weird to give a mushroom man a fire attack, unless he's, like, trying to prepare himself to be on a hamburger. Like, Delicious. that doesn't... I mean, I love a sautéed mushroom, don't get me wrong. Right, but that's less of a mushroom man weird. and more of a mushroom Swiss man. Yeah. <laughs> Little blue cheese, <laughs> sautéed onion, you know. So, man, remember back in the day when the mushroom Swiss burger was one of, like, like every restaurant you went to was like, well, we have our regular hamburger, we've got our cheeseburger, and then there's the mushroom Swiss burger available at every restaurant. At every restaurant, there was also the the bacon and blue. Everybody's got a Ooh, bacon and blue bacon burger. And blue. Yeah, what's the what are other burgers that everyone has? Oh, there's everyone's got the mushroom Swiss. Everyone's got the bacon and blue. Everyone's got the standard cheese or cheese and bacon. I feel like there was a uh, like a guacamole variant that also had like a pico de gallo instead of like regular tomato and onion. I have seen that, but that's not an everywhere. Everybody's got a barbecue burger. Everyone has a barbecue burger with like cheddar and onion rings and barbecue sauce. Everybody's Mm -hmm. got one. We should do a top of the tops for the burger, Matt. Anyways. No, we we did pizza. We talked about no, we only ever actually did pizza. We talked about doing more. Oh. I I I, I'm an advocate. I'm a strong advocate for top of the tops. I think it's a good segment worked out a list in my head of what I would say if we did that and so in my mind that's well, almost as good as doing it. it yeah so anyways um mega black just attacks this this mushroom man and like he just fights for a second and then the other rangers get in on it kenta is particularly angry at mushroom nazare because he's forced him to be awake yes and and Mi- then miku yeah she's mad because they have <laughs> they they're supposed to be part of like a like a how to milk cows like fun class right now like she's missing out on her activities and she is uh, not thrilled yeah, about it and she's not happy so there's a quick fight there's a very cool like bullet like follow the bullet effect that they do for uh the mega sling like mega yellow shoots it and you just kind of are following it it's it's like blasting through uh through the kune kune so that's pretty neat the they shoot mushroom man's cap off mm mm-hmm. mhm like, they just blast it and it pops up. And the kid is angry now. The kid is angry about all this fighting. I think he's concerned. The idea is he's concerned that it's going to destroy the forest. And But then Mushroom teleports and the rangers are just kind of confused. And that's the end of the and, fight. But, and they just sort of, like, go back to the park now. Yeah. So now we get two lessons. The first lesson is a little bit of a lesson about milking cows. And the second lesson is yet another reminder of differing social norms about what is and is not okay for children's television in America versus Japan. Yeah. Because. Because here's what happens. They go to the cow milking lesson. And... There's like a close-up on the udder, and Kenta and Miku are like milking the cow. And Miku is like, wow, this is amazing. Like, this, like this, this feels so cool. And then she says, it feels so soft, 
just like Shisato's breasts. And Kenta is like, excuse me, what? You... Excuse me? What? Excuse me? And then Miku says, yeah, exactly, excuse me. Like, I just went for it. Yeah. Now You can't see the face I'm making, but like... It's not what I what? was expecting out of this episode. And Shisato's like, Miku, like, come on, man. Like, that's... Could we not, please? Like, that's not very cool. And then Kenta is just like, oh, man. As though, like, had he been there in the moment, he also would have been okay to, like, cop a feel? Yeah, it's just... There's no context for this. No, I mean, honestly, the context that I'm imagining is that, like, at the end of episode five or whatever it was, when Miku says, like, I know who I want to go on a date with and grabs Chisato and, like, they walk off together, I am assuming that, like, that is the context of this, but there's no actual explanation in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only context is everyone wants to date Chisato. Sure. This is firmly established. Yeah, uh, okay, so anyways, Kuchiru is, like, pretty... And then they never talk about this again. Like, this is only... This is a total This aside. has nothing to do... Yeah, to be clear, this has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Like, 30 seconds about Shisato's breasts, back to this weird kid in the forest. Because Kuchiru is totally stuck on this kid. He's like, this is really weird. He's like, I've got a sense, you know, like, my spider sense is tingling, like, something weird is going on, but, like, I can't... Like, I can't place it. Like, I don't exactly know. The teacher uh, sees Mr. O. him. He sees him thinking about this, and he's like, there's something going on with you. Are you in love? Which was like, no, I'm not in love. There's just a weird situation I'm thinking about. And then he stares off sort of behind the teacher and sees that the kid has appeared. And so now he's just sort of, like, staring off into the distance, and the teacher's like, okay... He's definitely in love. I mean, or there's something very wrong with him, but I'm not going to put him to the but effort probably, to figuring out yeah, which. I, I, he's, I'm already done with this. So, but then Kuchu sees the kid. Yeah. And, and the kid is like kind of teleporting around and Kuchu, uh, nobody else can see him, only Kuchu. So this kid can, can make himself like selectively uh, visible and there's like a little running chasing where he's like trying to catch up with the kid and he finally does. And then the kid's like, listen, Kuchu's like, what, like what's going on? And Kuchu says, listen, my, the forest is going to be destroyed because of the rangers. I thought you cared about the forest. And Kuchu says, well, if there's a monster in the forest, we might have to fight the monster, obviously. Yeah, but, like, but we like, have no interest in destroying a forest. That's not what we do. And the kid's just like, listen, you, I thought you understood. Clearly you don't. Just don't destroy my forest, please. I'm out. And then he just, like, turns into, like, green pixels and flies away. Yeah. Uh, so what we... Uh, Mushroom Nezare is recuperating. We get kind of, like, a further look at him. He does have a very cool look. And I am just... I was struck again, like... There's so many cool things you could have done with a mushroom monster. Like, he could have had, like, a weird decay power. He could have had, like, a hallucinogenic power. He could have had, like, a poison power. I mean, we, like, there's a ton we, of things. The thing is, we did just do a poison spore monster. Well, poison dust monster. Oh, with the poison dust monster. I'm just saying, like, there's, like, a million... It was just so weird, because there's, like, a million things that you could have done that would have narratively worked in this episode that also would have thematically worked for a mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know we already talked about this mushroom Swiss man. It was just real dumb. But he does look super cool. Right. He's got a real neat look, because he's, like, a mushroom man, but then he's got, like, a Decepticon faceplate kind of planted in the middle there. It's a, It's rad. And he does have, like, his large, like... Like the cap of a mushroom hat that he can like throw at people, but when that got blown up before, he's got like a little miniature like beret version of that on underneath, which is kind of adorable. Uh, so he's doing better. He is like fully recovered and is ready to go destroy this forest, which is bad, yes. obviously. Uh, clearly, so we get um, we get a quick thing, and. They are uh, the Rangers. 
they're back at the hotel. Kuchiru is occupied. Uh, Shunin and Shin are like, hey, we're going to go down to the to the baths, to the onsen. And uh, then we get Miku and Shisato, and they're already in the baths. This is another weird moment. Because, like, obviously, they are, like, under the water and covering themselves. But they are very definitely naked. Or, like, are meant to be. Which, again, like, you, you know, in these Japanese, like, that's totally culturally appropriate. Like, you are naked in an onsen. But, like, it is just still weird to me that, like, it's television. Like, I know we talk about this, like, because every season there's, like, some weird thing where I'm just like, how is this kids' TV? And it's just like, it's Japan. And the thing is, like, in in a lot of anime that I've seen, there is, like, an episode where they go to hot springs and it's a whole thing. And this has also happened in other Sentai. But I think, like, I think that happened in, um... Kaku Ranger definitely, maybe Jetman oh, yeah, as That's well, right. but definitely Kaku Ranger. But it's it feels different in Mega Ranger because they are high schoolers. That is a very good. <laughs> that is a very good point. I hadn't like zoned zeroed in on why it did feel weird, but it does feel weird. Um, anyway, so um, Miku and Shisato are talking about how it's so nice there. And Miku says, like, you know, someday I would like to come back here with a boyfriend. And is sort of wistful. Chisato's like, so, Shun, right? Because you're in love with Shun, which is which we've seen in different episodes. Uh, Miku vehemently denies this. Vehemently? Vehemently. Vehemently. But then she does kind of sink into the water a little bit. So, like, obviously. Right. So, man, coming, coming hard for Jetman crafting some legit like interpersonal relationship storylines happening in the background yeah strong contender man strong contender so uh we jump in media res the guys are having a discussion about this kid ko is like i i keep seeing him like i really don't know what's going on like I, he's a forest spirit or something, but like I don't totally know. The other two guys seem to be kind of blowing him off. Like, why are you listening to some kid? As though the kid is not a magical forest spirit who Ko has seen teleport. Well, this is a get. Like again, this is uh, you just have to bow to the narrative of like somebody has to be the the like doubtful naysayer, and these are the dudes that are in every episode right. because. What actually makes sense is Kuichu says, I met a weird magical forest spirit and he helped me fight a monster. And the other superheroes on the team are like, oh yeah, we also saw that kid. We should figure out what's going on. They don't. So uh, Kuichu sees the kid. He's like, why can't anybody else see you? And the kid says, well, I trust you because you picked up those cans that one time. So clearly you're cool. And then, but he goes and Kuchu is chasing him, and he chases him, and then obviously Kuchu ends up running into the girls' dressing room, and the girls are dressed, but they're like, you pervert, and he's like, wait, did you see a little kid in here? And they're like, no, obviously, obviously not, we did not see a child in here. Uh, We cut to a few minutes later, everyone has put on like a bathrobe, and they're on a conference call with Dr. Kubota, and they're like, man, I don't know why this kid thinks that we're going to destroy his forest. Doc- like, we, the Mega Rangers specifically, right. are going to be the cause of and this. And Dr. Kubota's like, oh, that forest? Hmm. Ooh, that one? Well, funny thing. Actually. We are actually planning to destroy that forest. Uh, because the thing is, every time there's a problem, they need to call Galaxy Mega and get all their digitizers and stuff. But it all comes from space because that satellite lives in space. And so Dr. Kubota's been thinking, well, if we build a base on Earth, then we can... Like, if we build a relay effectively. Yeah, like, we can get that stuff to you faster, and you could be more effective in protecting the planet. So, like, yeah, we're planning on destroying this forest, but, like, we've done ecological studies to know that it's not going to have, like, a huge impact on, like, the region, and we think that it's going to be a net positive for the Earth. So that was the plan. Like, we weren't keeping it from you we just hadn't mentioned it to you yet right kenta doesn't care he's like well we'll defeat monsters better that's like a net win uh Quichu seems weirdly he's like obviously he's like very emotional because he's like met this kid and everybody else is like come on Quichu, like just get over it <laughs> right <laughs> he weird. he wanders outside like onto the balcony and is sort of brooding on this and shisato comes out and she says two very interesting things 
First, she says, listen, this is a weird situation. I understand how you feel. There's no real right or wrong here, but for what it, like, for as much as it matters, I agree with you. Like, I understand there's two sides to this, but, like, in my gut, I feel like you're right. And then she says something else very interesting, which she says... This is crazy! So cheer up, leader, because apparently... What? Like, okay, and we have talked about this, how the... Like, Koichiru feels like the leader in the way that in Kaku Ranger, um, Tsurihime felt like the leader in, like, a... You know, like, they're the one who is actually the most competent and kind of, like, corrals the rest of the group. Yeah. But, like, you know, he's he's Mega Black. He's not Mega Red. Like, so the idea that they are, like, in the show explicitly saying, like, yes, Koichiru is the leader of this group totally shocked me and man i don't know maybe it shouldn't have but it did well i think it was shocking because it was shocking that they used the language like that oh yeah you're the leader because even in um kanku ranger even when surahime was very obviously kind of like operating as the leader of the team sasuke is still like nominally in charge and does grow to really be in charge, kind of like by mid to late right. season. Whereas Kenta, at least so far, is like, he's the guy who sits in the middle of the cockpit when they're piloting Galaxy Mega. And he's the one who has like a special standalone a weapon when like everyone else combines their weapons. He's got his own thing. But other than that, like there's really no indication that he is... In any way, yeah, shows no aptitude and also no interest. Right, he he in being usually the stands in the middle when they're doing a henshin, but like after that, it's kind of it. Yeah. Um. So this is this is pretty nuts that this is the case. Um. So, anyways, we we go back to the forest. Kuchu is running. He meets the kid, and the kid's like, so one cool human that I've met ever who I know will never betray me. What's up? And creature was like, we could probably move you to a new forest and you'd be fine. Right? right. Like, what if we just relocate you? Yeah. Obviously Forest spirit kid immediately sees through this, this steaming mound. Right. And is like, I knew it. I, you picked up those cans. It was a lie. I mean, you did pick up the cans. I saw you, but like, your spirit was a lie. You wouldn't. You weren't picking up cans in your spirit. You don't really care about the forest. <laughs> uh, um, thankfully, before they can get much further into this, Mushroom Nezere attacks. Yes. So the kid runs in. Kuchu tries to help. Uh, they they do like a blast. There's a couple little. There's a couple little fights. There's and a, there's a the bit. Kid, so like the four of the the four other rangers show up, right? Uh, yes. And. The the kid, and I, I feel like you were just about to say this when I cut you off, but I'm going to say it anyway, unless you cut Do me it. off again, uh, which, you know, it's the ebb and flow of the show. It happens. Uh, so this kid is like, no, I will defeat this monster by myself. This is my forest. I am the forest. and I don't like that guy. And he summons up the power of the forest to, like, transform himself into an energy blast that flies at the monster. And it's extremely cool. Yeah, he... He kind of cannonballs himself. Yeah, very much. Not a literal cannonball, like Cannonball from the New Mutants. Yeah, like Sam Guthrie. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, he is not nigh invulnerable when he's blasting. Uh, And so, because Mushroom Nezere has already gone giant, he just slaps this kid out of the sky. Which is not great for him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a concern. So now that the kid is out of the picture, they're like, well, okay... Now, now we're up. Let's call Galaxy Mega. Yeah, so they do that. Uh, then we do get an actual mushroom attack. He kind of like shakes his big head around and like some spores, some energy spores fly out. And that's cool. Uh, the kid wakes up and he sees he sees both that Mushroom Nezere is really about to destroy the forest and also that Galaxy Mega is is stomping him. We get a weird moment from Mushroom Nezere where he like holds up his hand and you just see the back of it. Like he's like he's showing you his glove, 
and then he like backswings and attacks with his claws. <laughs> it's just uh it looks a little bit like the moment from uh single ladies when Beyonce like holds up her like Thanos glove. Mm-hmm. But then he claws you and he's a mushroom man instead of an international queen of pop. Sure, sure, sure. So a little different. Um, he, uh, Mushroom Man, Mushroom Desiree, like, takes his hat off and throws it at them, and, like, blades come out, and it's, like, this bladed, uh, chakram thing, but they, like, blast it out of the sky, so now he's back down to his... It's like a Kung Lao, Kung Lao move. Yeah, he, now he's back to his little hat instead of his big hat, um, and he starts shooting fire at them, just, like, this blast of fire. They have their shield up, they're sort of absorbing the fire, or, you know, like, deflecting it off the shield but they're not able to sort of approach him. And Dr. Kubota gets on the radio and says, dudes, um, you have like jets in your feet. Just jump over behind him and cut him with your sword, which seems like a good idea, except that if they move, except... if they move right now, like they are the only thing in between the forest and the fire. And if they move, then the forest is just going to get obliterated. Yes. In a conflagration, conflagration, in a, in a big fire. In a, in a big old bad fire. In a big fire. fire. A fire big, is big, a word fire. I know how to pronounce. Yeah. So, and the kid sees this, and he's like, oh, they must be... And then the other rangers are like, we get it, Kuchiru, we're with you. And then the kid looks up, and he sees it, and he's like, ah, they really do love the forest. And he says, he's a great knight, he goes... Children of the... The kid does. Children of the forest, give me your strength. And I was really expecting, like, animals to come out. There's not. There's just, like, like a bunch of wind. Yeah, he just generates and a then, leaf tornado, which is very cool. Which, like, pops out yeah. and is able to, like, stagger Mushroom Nezeray. And in that moment, they get in the Mega Saber. So that's it. That's the end of Mushroom Nezeray. Great job. They're back down on the ground and the kid is like fading in and out and i'm like dude are they gonna kill this magical forest boy but they don't thank goodness it's not quite that raw yet they just say he says i don't think i'm gonna be able to come out for a while like i'm not gonna be able to manifest i guess i just got a lot of his forest energy right um but he's but but also like at this point he genuinely thinks like well I'm not going to be able to come out for a while, and you're destroying my forest, so I guess this is it. But Chisato pops in and is like, hey, listen, don't worry about that. I talked to Dr. Kubota, and we are reconfiguring our ground-based plans. We're not going to destroy your forest. We'll just have to work a little extra hard to work around the fact that our stuff is based in space, and maybe we'll find a ground space later. But, like, the forest is safe from Mega Ranger, which is awesome. Yes, we'll, we'll be cool. And he's like, great, cool. So uh, then the trip is over, and they're heading home, and Shisanto sits down there on the bus, and Shisanto sits down to Kuichiru, and he's like, no, and she says, what's wrong? And he says, we're just going to destroy another forest. And she says, no, it'll be fine. And he says, no, all forests will be destroyed by people. And she says, well, I think it'll be okay. And he goes, and then he just immediately is like, yeah, it probably will. <laughs> and then he just like a big smile and a thumbs up. <laughs> and they're having like, like a moment, right? And as they're having this moment, like Kentu, Miku, and or Kento, Miku, and Shun like pop their heads over the side, like over and around the chair that they're standing on. And they're like, so you guys are having a moment, huh? Huh? Look like, at this. What up, Pretty nerds? Cozy. You guys are getting cozy. And they're like, no, it's not like that. But it it's, definitely it is one hundred percent like that. Is a hundred percent like that. So so anyways. So, so anyway, Miku is in love with Shun. Kuichiru and Chizato are obviously going to end up together, and Kenta will die alone. Kenta's a big, big dummy. Kenta will just um, be like a weirdo hanging out in an arcade by himself, well into his thirties. But I do like Kenta. Oh, I love Kenta. He just okay. doesn't seem to have a life plan, which is fine. So, Matt. Yes, that is the end of that episode. But of course, it is not the end of our episode because first, Dave, we need to determine where Mushroom Nezere lands on the Creature Royale. Now, astonishingly, I don't think we have another Mushroom Monster. Is that true? Yeah, it seems weird, right? 
I mean, I'm not inclined to disbelieve there are other you. plant monsters. Man, but... Right. No, there's lots of other plant monsters, but no, I we don't have any other specifically mushroom monsters. Okay. Well, the the thing about mushroom Nazare is that he looks really cool. And this episode is good, but, like, he's very Monster of the Week, right? Like, he's just, like, he is a guy who is there to destroy the forest. Like, as a character, there's not much going on with him. As a superpower, he's not particularly interesting. It's a good monster design and a good episode, but that's kind of all there is. Yeah, I feel like as great as this season is, it is suffering from a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, there's been some outliers. There's been some really good ones that ranked high on the list. But, like, you know, I, I don't think Mushroom Nezere is better than... You no, know, he's not better than Barra Fawcett. He's not better than... Uh, Copy Empress. He's not better than Traffic no, no, Light no, no, Dimension. Is he better than Poison Moth? No, he's not better than Poison Moth Nezere. Poison Moth Nezere was really interesting. Yeah, he was. Poison Moth Nezere was very interesting and is at number 101 on our list. So, like, that's kind of where the list is right now. No, I'm like I'm shooting down, and I'm like Duke Trump, Purse Monk, uh, the Tofu Hermit, Poison Gas Rat. Like, these are all really cool monsters. Uh, yeah, like, sadly, as cool as he is, he really is. He's, he's down. He's down pretty low. Okay, I think he goes at number 143 in between Azuki and I, who was a bean-washing monster who masqueraded as an evil policeman and had, like, his own evil police station with, like, an underground lair, and above P.P. Rapa, who was just, like, a monster who had, like, big numbers that he made explode. Yeah. All right. Do you think I that's a good that. spot? I I think that's fair. Cool. So we could, you know, man, you you could nitpick forever, but I think that's a good spot. I think that's a good spot. Cool. Well, in that case, that is going to do it for another episode of the Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all: you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail dot com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. If you want to give us a rating or review on your favorite podcatcher, that would be just lovely. You tell a friend, get the word out. Just have a just have a ball, folks. Anyway, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you'd like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.